Welcome to Tech Talks, a podcast hosted by the Rotman Commerce Fintech Association about all things business, finance, and technology. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Tech Talks podcast. We're your hosts, Hetty and Emma, and today we're here with Vanessa Irochi, the president and CEO of McCarthy Uniforms, and we're here to chat with her for our Gender Gap in Finance and Technology series. So welcome to the podcast, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. So to start off, can you just give our listeners a brief intro on who you are and what you do? Certainly. So I'm a Rotman grad a little while ago, class of 2000. And since my time at Rotman, I've done a few things. I uh, firstly earned my CA and I worked at PwC actually in the mergers and acquisitions group for 12 years. And from there, I decided to diversify a little bit and I took on a strategy role at TD Bank as well as a variety of different operational roles at TD Bank. And um, about five years into that, I realized I had been an advisor, I had been an executive, but I hadn't really been an entrepreneur yet. So I took on the turnaround of a failed PE company that had gone insolvent, McCarthy Uniforms. Um, It had been a former client of mine and the company filed for insolvency. So I left a really stable job on Bay Street to try to turn around uh, a uniform company, which is not, you know, at first glance, the sexiest industry for sure. But what really attracted me to the opportunity was sort of the opportunity to really lead a company from scratch and bring it uh, into the future. So that's what I'm up to now. And it's going really well. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So I guess since you do have that president and CEO position now at McCarthy Uniforms, what are some of the challenges that you faced specifically around being a woman in a leadership position? Uh, It's a really good question. And as much as we like to say that the playing field is even, I certainly still feel that some days it's not. I would say that in my industry, where most of my customers are public sector um, customers, the very senior folks in a lot of school boards and a lot of public sectors are still men. Um, There are increasingly more and more women in leadership positions, but these are roles where you progress based on a lot of time in the field. So um, I would say that I look very different than a lot of my customers. I'm younger, I'm 43, which in some industries like the startup world is really old, but in a public sector world, it's not that old. So um, I certainly had what I would characterize as a credibility challenge in that I look and come from a very different background than a lot of the people I do business with. So it was really important for me to understand how I could establish credibility with them. And what I really learned is the best way to establish credibility was really to be myself and be honest and authentic and deliver very great customer service. Because I think when you do that, you're able to overcome some of those challenges, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Thank you for sharing your insights. And while we're on the topic of your leadership position, 
Um, my question is, before working in a leadership position, what were your expectations for it? And how would you compare the expectation and the reality? Yeah, really good question. I would say, hands down, uh, before I was in a leadership role, um, I thought, you know, if I look back, when I graduated, I was a really good student. And I thought, you know, I have all this stuff in my head and I know it. So I just have to be really good at my job and know everything and then I'll be successful. And to some extent, when you're a consultant, that's actually true because you're working alone and um, you're selling your smarts. But what I really learned when I moved to the bank and I was actually managing large, large groups of people was that it's not at all about what I know. And it's more about how do I actually empower teams to achieve my objectives and make my team successful versus just myself. Um, and certainly I've learned that in spades at McCarthy's where um, my current role is definitely about really setting, setting up a vision for our team at the outset for where we wanted to be. And I spend 90% of my time really coaching and ensuring that my team is confident in getting there. So it's not about me sewing the uniforms or knowing everything about product or knowing everything about an RFP, but setting up others for success. Yeah, that's really great. So I guess also kind of going off of that, do you have any advice for people who like just start getting into those leadership positions where they have to start, you know, learn how to manage teams and building that skill to be able to manage teams effectively? Do you have any tips or advice from your experience and what you've learned? Sure. Um, I think the first advice I'd have is to do a lot more listening than talking in your first leadership role, especially in the first few months. Uh, don't assume that you actually have the answer just because you might have the subject matter expertise. Uh, listen to your team, ask a lot of questions about why things work, why things don't work, what are your ideas, and that will um, help you really understand the context that you're leading in. And context is really, really important. So for example, when I took over at McCarthy's, the company had been insolvent and there was a real culture of mistrust with the leaders. And so I learned by doing a lot of listening with the team that one of my biggest leadership to do's was to rebuild that trust with the team and help them understand that, you know, I was going to be here for the long haul and I was really personally invested in helping them become successful. And, you know, if I just come in and built a really great PowerPoint strategy deck and then tried to execute it, I would have missed on the fact that there was a, a really important culture fix. So do a lot of listening, ask a lot of questions. And I would say it's really hard, especially for, you know, the incredibly talented and smart Rotman MBA graduates, you're gonna have team members and you're gonna see their work sometimes and you're gonna know that maybe you could have done that work better or maybe you would have done it differently. Yeah, that sounds really great. So um, in your past experience now, you previously like worked in the wealth sector of TD. So how have your experiences from those roles and maybe the skills you've learned there helped you transfer to your current position? So you see how a really great HR team works because 
you know, at a bank, you have resources to do organizational design and reward and recognition programming. And you have the resources to get the best programs in the world. So I know I ran the reward and recognition team for a while at TD. The other, you know, experience you get at a large organization is you, you really understand um, that politics matter in an organization. So I often call it workplace manners. You know, you learn there's a certain way to have a functional meeting and, you know, screaming and yelling is not a good way to have a functional meeting. Uh, you know, you, that you need an agenda and that you need to listen and have action items. And you learn all these habits when you work in a very professional environment. So I think I had all that structure and exposure and I was able to bring it to McCarthy's. But then on the flip side, uh, large organizations can be really, really slow and very, very bureaucratic. So you have to implement those practices, but you have to change them in a smaller organization to make them more practical. So I'm not gonna have a four hour meeting on spans and layers and organization design at McCarthy's because we have like three layers and like practically everyone reports into me. Yeah, that's really great. Um, there's definitely a lot that you, you know, learn from and experience when you go through those two different paths. So it's really nice that you've been able to do that. Um, you also led a innovation initiative at TD to position it as the leading personal finance destination for women. Could you talk a little bit more about that? How did the idea come about or like how was the process and what were the results? Sure. Uh, one of my favorite questions, uh, probably one of my career highs for sure. So I was actually recruited to TD because they had what I would call as a business problem, which was they noticed that women were not investing as much as men like simple math, they could see the money in women's savings accounts and that money wasn't being um, utilized for financial planning. And so that was the problem that they wanted to solve, but they didn't really have a view on what the solution was. And we really learned from the process of empathy led field research that the, the problem wasn't product or women's competence in investing, which were at the time, the prevailing hypotheses. And so the solution that we devised, which was not what we expected, was we built a training program for financial advisors to, to share with them what we learned about different preferences between men and women investors. So they, and that kind of gave them a holistic roadmap and the advisors were actually prepared internally to help them deliver on that as a result of the training. And so um, it sounds really simple when you describe it so quickly. But wow, yeah, that sounds really impressive. That yeah, it was, and it was really fun. You know, I think when you're working on something and that's, you know, that's an example of being an entrepreneur, sort of something entrepreneurial within a larger organization. Because we were able to, do, like, you know, I had an amazing SVP who essentially gave me like a blank slate to say, here's the problem, here's your budget, solve it. Um, and that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really great. You were able to do that. Um, so you also have like a similar kind of um, equality. You have a Designing for Equality MBA course that you helped, um, you know, put together and instruct. So what kind of complex gender problems or um, societal kind of um, issues or challenges does that course aim to solve? Yeah, so interesting question because 
the whole genesis of that course, this is a very well-designed podcast, came from the Women Investing Program. Because what I learned in the Women Investing Program is you can design really great businesses. And if those businesses are solving a human social problem, not only do you design a great business because it's solving a problem, which is the whole point of business, but you can drive disproportionate social outcomes. And what I mean by that is there's actually a really important reason that women should invest. And that's because most women outlive their husbands and many women simply never partner. And without the right financial plan, women can suffer a lot of hardship because they do tend to take more career breaks. Um, women are disproportionately affected by illnesses later in life, like breast cancer. And they also tend to take care of their parents. So having women engaged in financial planning was great for the bank, but it was also really, really great for those women because it put them in a better um, opportunity set for their life. And so um, when I started at Rotman, we really started thinking there's probably all kinds of businesses that could solve gender-based problems. And I don't know what all those businesses are. So in the spirit of design thinking, we're not going to teach the solutions, but what we can do is teach the process to a lot of students. And if they take that process out into the world, they'll actually be solving all these problems out in the world. So the course actually is in two parts. The first part is just exploring common gender-based challenges, women on boards, access for medical care, like very typical database problems where we know there's a gender gap. Um, women in STEM is another good example. And then the second half of the course, the students pick one of the problems and we ask them to use the design process to actually design a solution. So in our last course, for example, one of the problems that um, one group identified was immigrant women have less access to mental health services because in many communities, mental health is stigmatized. So they used the design thinking process to create a business that would help women access mental health services. And I thought that was a particularly amazing project because I thought the business was fantastic. It was an app that was actually connected to onboarding to Canada programs that immigrant women receive when they land here. Um, and it was specifically designed to take out the stigma of mental health. So amazing social outcome potential, but also a really, really good business because no one had thought of that. And, and there are many mental health specialists across the country um, that would love to specialize in this type of service because it's such a, a pressing and important need. So, uh, you know, each course session we've done has identified all kinds of things like that. And it's just, it's amazing for me to see that, wow, if, you know, if we, even if we have 30 students a session and we run the course a few times a year, that's like hundreds of students graduating with the thought that they can kind of make the world a better place and be good business people. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds really amazing that your course is able to have that impact and kind of inspire other people to create those solutions too. Yeah. So 
with your extensive, you know, participation and experience in organizing these kind of things and also just in general relating to the advancement of women and girls, what do you think more companies and industries could be doing to close the gender gap or um, support women further? Yeah, and I mean, this is this is a question so many companies grapple with. And I know I was on the Women in Leadership Committee um, at the bank when I worked there. And it's such a complex issue because over and over the data shows that uh, women are equal at the starting gates in large organizations. They're graduating from the right programs but something happens around midlife and they start dropping out. And that's something, whether we like it or not, is often children. And so I think one of the best things companies can do is better on-ramping and off-ramping for women that are having babies, really. Like, I know that, you know, it's easy to say it shouldn't matter, but the reality is when you're running a business and you have someone that's going to take a year off, come back and then take another year off, Let's be really honest about the fact that from a business perspective, tactically, that's very disruptive, but that doesn't mean we can't solve the problem. Like pretending the problem doesn't exist isn't going to make it better. So I'll give you a really great example from PwC. When I went on my maternity leave, um, I wanted to come back part time and I was in an M&A group, which is like a 24-7 kind of job. And my husband had just taken on a job that involved a lot of travel and we had baby and it would have just been really, really tough. But I had a managing director who was creative and said, you know, it's going to be hard for you to work on like 10 deals at once with this kind of schedule, but I don't want you to take, I don't want to take you off the career track. So we're going to give you this amazing special project if you want to work flex time for six months and then you'll come back to your role. And I think it was, being really honest and open with each other. I really actually, that special project that I went back to after maternity leave actually probably contributed more to my career than if I had just gone back to deal work because it was meaningful work. It utilized my skills, but it also worked with the practical realities of my life versus saying, okay, you know, it's totally, you know, acceptable that you're going to go back into like running an M&A deal with an infant, like all by yourself, like that just wouldn't have worked for me at the time. So being honest about meaningful career opportunities when you're on ramping and off ramping is one for sure. And then on the flip side of that, you know, now that I'm actually, and I can't believe when I say I'm 20 years into my career, when you're in that family planning stage, it can feel like your whole life, you're going to be in that stage. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a few years and a long career. And I think sometimes we put too much pressure on women to say that if you don't have it all figured out after your maternity leave, you know, then your career is just over. And that's just not true. So helping women see the bigger picture and the men around them is also really, really important, I think. And I know like the baby, con the topic is controversial, but I just have to be honest, having gone through and also having been a leader of teams where other women were going through that, it's, it's still an issue. And if we don't talk about it, like we're never going to solve the problem. Um, so those are, those are two things that I think are really important, as well as all the ongoing work about unconscious bias and, you know, ensuring that you have diverse teams with diverse perspectives. The 
women investor program in well in the wealth division, for example, was a great example of how having a diverse opinion was great for business as well. Thanks. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing your experiences. So what advice would you give to your younger self then? Like it can be about business or just life in general, just any advice that you would give? Uh, you know, I get, I guess, I think there's the correlation between how often you get asked that question and your age, <laughs> because I notice more people ask me the question now. Uh, I have a lot of advice I'd give my young, younger self for sure. But I think the biggest advice that I would give myself is to understand that of all the things that matter when you're building your career, relationships matter the most. Relationships with your peers, your clients, your coworkers, your relationship network is your biggest asset. So, you know, when I'm at McCarthy's today and I have a legal problem, I have, you know, five or six lawyers from my previous life that I've maintained a relationship with who I know I can pick up the phone and call um, to help me solve a specific problem. Or if I need a really great marketing person, I'll think back to the times when I ran my marketing team. And because I kept up those relationships, I have access to really amazing side hustle talent. And so I don't think I realized that until halfway through my career, because actually, if I look back at even my, you know, my first year um, group at PwC, you know, I didn't want to be a typical CA. So I was just getting my auditing hours done and I wanted to get out of there. But if I look across that group now, I'd say at least half of that cohort is, is C-level in major companies in Canada. And had I done a better job with keeping those relationships up, I think those would have been much stronger contacts. I'm sure I can still email them or give them a call. But later in life, I realized I really needed to invest in relationships. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really powerful advice. I'm sure a lot of people can definitely, you know, resonate with that because relationships and networking is like such a huge foundational part of building a career. So yeah, that was really great, Vanessa. Um, thank you so much for coming again onto this podcast. You shared so many great insightful um information and knowledge and experience with us so thank you so much thanks for having me and thanks for actually facilitating these conversations i wish when i was a business student that that i had access to this kind of knowledge you're sharing so congratulations to both of you for what you're doing in in your peer group thank you thanks for tuning in to this episode of tech talks we'll see you in the next one